Hi, I'm Roger Blackmore. I'm the lead pastor at Genesis Church on Long Island in New York. Thanks for downloading our podcast. I hope it's a blessing to you. If you want to learn a bit more about our church, then check out our website, genesisli.com. And of course, if you live within traveling distance of us, we'd love to see you in person on Sunday morning, worshiping with us. So here's today's message. Enjoy. Today, today I want to talk about something that I've called, I call this the God Gap. The God Gap. One of the ministries we support through our missions offering is the 180 Center in Connecticut that many of you will have met the leaders and some of the folks who are getting the benefit from this recovery program. And a few months ago, Mike Carolio, who heads it up, called me and he said, I'm not quite sure what to do. I need some advice. Because he said, you know, our facilities, he said, you know, we're, we're really crammed. We're packed out. We can't do as much as we want to do. They open right through the winter months as a warming center offering overnight accommodations to the homeless. And he said, we really need a bigger place. And he said, there's a bigger place come up just along the street. And he described it to me and he said what it was going to cost. And he said, I figured out if we do this, 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 we could, we could almost get there, but I'm hesitant. I've known Mike for almost 30 years. So I said, Mike, I, I know what kind of guy you are. You like to have everything organized, everything in straight, and you don't want to, you know, you like to be sure you can pay your bills and everything else. But I said, I want to tell you something. There needs to be a God gap here. And if there's a God gap, it's a good thing. If you can do it all, and if you can see how it all can happen, and if you, if you know you've got the resources to pay for it all, then that's a wonderful thing. The only problem is there's no room for God. Amen. You don't need God. If you got it, you don't need God. But you, you gotta, what you really need to do is, is don't run away from there being a gap for God to fill, but embrace the fact there's a gap for God to fill. It'll keep you awake at night. It'll scare the life out of you. But the fact is, give God room to do what nobody else can do. The God gap. The God gap is when you're in a situation in life where you're here, you need to be there, but there's no way it can happen. And it's the place that a lot of Christ's followers dread to be in. But actually, it's the most blessed position on earth to be in because you're setting yourself up to see a miracle. You're setting yourself up to see God moving. You're setting yourself up to see supernatural provision. But if we live with everything simply under our control, there's no real need for God. There's a story in the Bible that really indicates this very well. The background is this. In the Old Testament, we've got the history of God's dealings with Israel as his chosen people. And through that, we learn a lot of God's dealings with people. Long story short, God's people had come to become slaves in Egypt, had lived in Egypt and slavery for 400 years. <clears throat> God told Moses to go and tell Pharaoh to let the people go. There's a whole lot of things happened there. Pharaoh eventually lets them leave, and they, as they leave, they start their journey, okay? 
Exodus 14, verse 1. Here's where we come in now. God spoke to Moses. Tell the Israelites to turn around and make camp at Pihahiroth, between Migdal and the sea. Camp on the shore of the sea opposite Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are lost. They're confused. The wilderness has closed in on them. Then I'll make Pharaoh's heart stubborn again, and he'll chase after them. And I'll use Pharaoh and his army to put my glory on display. Then the Egyptians will realize that I am God. And that's what happened. This is the story some of you will know, the the background. And if you're of a certain age, you're picturing Charlton Heston at this point in time. (laughs) Right? And if you have no idea who I'm talking about, you missed it. Google him. (laughs) So this is the story where, where all the children of Israel... Tens and tens of thousands of them, they escape from Egypt, they're allowed to to be let go, and then they come to this obstacle where they've got now this, this huge sea in front of them, the Red Sea is in front of them, there's the desert and some mountains alongside of them, and Pharaoh now has decided he doesn't want them to leave after all, so he sends all of the might of the Egyptian army coming after them. So they are absolutely boxed in. Where they want to be is the other side of the Red Sea. But it seems like there's no escape. Now, let me just say this. It might well be that you could pick yourself right into that picture this morning. It's like, it seems like there's no way out of where my life is right now. It seems as if there's no way forward. Anywhere I turn, it's going to be disaster. And the one thing I want to point out right right at the start here, because I really did just start, is that the Bible says, and we just read these verses, God said to Moses, turn around and go this way. And he said, Pharaoh is going to come after you. And I will put my glory on display. God knew exactly what was going to happen. In fact, to some degree, God allowed or orchestrated what was going to happen. God knew just what was going to take place. And what was going to take place, because many of you will know the end of the story, what was going to take place was that the people of Israel were going to see a miracle that was so absolutely unbelievable that we're talking about it in New York on September the 1st of 2019. And he was going to do a miracle that was so incredible that the enemy who had oppressed them for generations was going to be destroyed. The The bottom line with this is this, God knows Wherever you or I are at in life, God knows. There's nowhere we can be that he's not aware of. There's nothing that can be happening to us that God has not got his hand over and ultimately God will use for our good and for our, his glory. God sent Israel God sent Israel along that direction. He said to them, turn around and go this way. And when they turned around, they found the terrific obstacle. But what happened coming out of that was they realized when there was nothing they could do, there was a huge God gap. They needed God to intervene. 
And when they were living in the God gap, God came through. God came through. I was reading yesterday, I was reminded of a statement that says the purpose of the gospel is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. And I hope this today does that. If you're in a place where you're wondering which way's up and if there's any way forward and you're despairing, I hope this brings real comfort to you in your affliction. But if you're living in a comfort zone, I hope this stirs you up to say, stop living such a boring life. Don't be afraid of a gap that only God can fill. Because if you want to really see God, you've got to be in some of those situations. Anyway, three things. No, I think there's four, but we probably won't get to four. Th- three, th- three things that happen when we're in a, God, in a God gap. Three things we need to do. The first is we need to trust. When you're living in a God gap where you can't do anything and there doesn't seem to be a way forward, we've got to trust because truth is the God gap is uncomfortable. That's why we don't want to be there really. We've got to trust. Verse 10 of that chapter of Exodus 14 says this. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and saw them, Egyptians, coming at them. They were totally afraid. They cried out in terror to God. They told Moses, weren't the cemeteries large enough in Egypt so that you had to take us out here in the wilderness to die? What have you done to us taking us out of Egypt? So their first reaction to being in this situation where there seemed to be no one, no way forward, there was nothing more that they could do. Here they were now living in a, with a God gap right in front of them and they were terrified. Now let's be gut honest about this. Often the situations in which we are helpless and it's only God who can solve it, they are terrifying situations. Okay, I'll say that again, you say amen. It's not complicated, all right? <laughs> So often the situations in which we've, what did I say? It was good. Hey, just say amen, will you? Okay, we're good. Let's move on. Yeah, we're good. John A. Shedd's got a, a quote that many of you will have heard. It says this, a ship in harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are built for. God didn't plan for us to live a safe life. He planned for us to live a fulfilling life. God was going to put his glory on display, and he was going to use this scenario to do that. And and, and I want to tell you this. When we were singing earlier, all of my life you have been faithful. All of my life you have been so, so good. I want to tell you that's my story, and I know that's the story of so many of us here this Sunday morning. God, all of my life, you have been faithful. I've been in some scary situations and you've been in some scary situations. But the truth is, we've also seen God do marvelous things and glorify himself at those times. Amen? I was talking to our son the other day. He he lost his job several months ago and uh, is still looking for work. And I was having a conversation with him. And here's what he said. 
He said, Dad, I have grown so much in this past few months in every single way. And I would never have wished this to happen. But you know what? The benefits from it are absolutely huge. If he wasn't in that position, the growth would not have happened. Yeah? God gap. God gap. I've got no resources. I've got no money to pay the bills. And he tells stories about absolutely incredible things that have happened where, 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 where money has come and he's got, you know, and everything. And God's provided. And he said to me once, I've never seen this kind of stuff, Dad. I said, no, because you've always lived within what you could achieve. There was never a God gap. But now you're living with a huge God gap. And when you live with a huge God gap, you know what you find out? You find out God is God of the gaps. Darn, that was good too, wasn't it? I didn't didn't even have that written down. When you're living with a huge God gap, you find God is the God of the gaps. Wow. Sometimes I surprise myself. But having said that, where there's a God gap, it's going to be a scary situation. If you remember the story when Jesus was with his disciples and they were in a boat on, on Galilee and there was a storm happened one night, right? And they were terrified for their lives and, and they were experienced fishermen and Jesus was just sleeping in the back of the boat. And, and they went and they woke Jesus up and they said, don't you care, we're going to die. And Jesus got up and, and he, he stilled the storm. So there was a flat calm. And then it says this in Mark 4, 41. They were in absolute awe, staggered. Who is this anyway, they asked? Wind and sea at his beck and call. They knew who he was. It was Jesus. But they'd never seen Jesus like this. And they would never have seen Jesus like that if they hadn't been there scared to death in a storm. And I want to tell you this. When you're scared to death in a storm, the fact is Jesus is still there with you. He might not be active. He might not be participating. He might be asleep in the back room. But actually, he's there with you. And the reality is he doesn't always still the storm, but he always brings us through the storm. Scary situation. The first thing we need to do in the God gap is is to trust. There was a time when, when David, who was to become the king of Israel, was captured by Philistines. And and in, in Psalm 56, he wrote this during that experience. Not a day goes by, but somebody beats me up. They make it their duty to beat me up. When I get really afraid, I come to you in trust. When I get really afraid, I come to you in trust. And then further down in verse 10 of that psalm, he says, I'm proud to praise God. Proud to praise God. Fearless now, I trust in God. What can mortals do to me? Fearless now, I trust in God. What can mortals do to me? Let me tell you this, that, that living where we, there is a God gap between where we're at and what we look to see can be the most terrifying place to be. And then you come to the place where you say, but 
You know what? And, and you know, you come to church and we sing about how God's been faithful. And we listen to God's word and we eat ice cream. And, and like the world is fantastic. Fearless now. Yeah, I was at my wit's end when I walked in this morning, but fearless now. What can mere mortals do to me? And then two minutes later, the thought comes into our minds. You're going to go broke on this one. Right? I'm not saying that we get to live in that place, but I'm saying we need to keep pulling ourselves back to it and keep reminding ourselves, but I will trust God, but I will trust God, but I will trust God. And, and, and living in a God gap, is a, it, the key thing is, I've got to make sure I keep focused on a God who is faithful. God gap is uncomfortable because we don't, can't fix it all, and we're not totally in control, but faith teaches us to trust that God is in control, and God's got it, and God's got us. Trust. The second thing we need to do, which the people of Israel did in this situation, is in a God gap, we need to listen. The God gap is a place to pause. Exodus 14, back there in verse 13. Moses spoke to the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm and watch God do his work of salvation for you. Take a good look at the Egyptians today for you're never going to see them again. So they're all freaking out. They're all saying to Moses, well, there are plenty of cemeteries in Egypt. You could have left us there and let us die there. Why did you bring us out? And they were really, you know, they were really thinking that they'd have been better off where they were in slavery. And Moses said, listen, stand still. Now there's a phrase that it's, it's not as impolite in the UK as it is here. And I slip up sometimes because I say it. And I think Moses not only said stand still, he probably said shut up. <laughs> right? It's like, shut up. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. And for some of us, you know, there comes a point, and you may be there today, where you need to just, just stop it. And listen. Listen for the voice of God. Listen to hear what God has got to say to you. Listen to what God wants to tell you. Psalm 37 verse 7 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. In the God gap, we need to wait. Psalm 130 and verse 5. Psalmist says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I'm waiting. But while I'm waiting, you know where my hope is? You know where my trust is? My trust is in what he has said. My trust is in what I've heard of him and from him. I trust in his word. Be still. Wait. Now, if, if, if we were having a one-on-one -on -one conversation this morning, we were talking about your situation, and I said, but wait, and I, I guarantee, I guarantee, almost, that you'd say, but how long have I got to wait? Because we're not good at waiting, right? How long have I got to wait? And, and, and the problem is this, you see, that our urgent becomes immediate. 
So if it's urgent to me, I expect God to act immediately. I want God to act immediately. So here's my situation, God. I need you to resolve it. And it's like I'm expecting it to happen. It's got, you know, before the end of the day. Anyway, I'll give you that long. And then days go by. And we can get discouraged. Or we can allow those to be days when our faith builds and gets stronger. Because we keep telling ourselves what God has said and who God is and how faithful the Lord is always going to be. In Isaiah 55, it says this, For as the sky soars high above earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work. This is God talking to us. And the way I think is beyond the way you think. When there's a God gap, we need to trust. Then we need to listen. And then the third thing that follows on from listening is we need to obey. The, the God gap demands surrender. So Moses says, here's what you've got to do. You've got to stand still. You've got to just wait. And then God speaks to Moses, verse 16, and says this. He says, hold your staff high, stretch your hand out over the sea, split the sea, the Israelites will walk through the sea on dry ground. I just want you to look at that. Okay, now, you know, we've all seen pictures, and some of us saw the movie, The Ten Commandments, and, and kind of we, we've seen it. We're not talking about a stream here or, or kind of a, a minimal river. We're, we're, we're talking about a whole vast area of water. So Moses says to the people, listen, just stand still, don't panic. And then God says, okay, Moses, here's what you're going to do. Take your staff and stretch it out over the sea. Then you'll split the sea and they'll all walk through on dry ground. And Moses said, sounds like a great plan, God. That'll work. <laughs> I mean, really, right? It's like, give me a military strategy where we might stand a smallest chance of beating their army. Give me something else. But God, you want me to point this stick over the sea and believe the whole thing's going to open up and everybody will walk through the sea and they'll be totally safe. And you know what? Sometimes what we really need to do is we really just need to take God at his word and do what God says. We pray for God to help. We pray for God to guide. We pray for God to do something. And then we hear God speaking to our hearts through whatever means he might. And it's like, yeah, I don't think I'll do that. Yeah, but that wouldn't work. Can you just pause for a moment with me and think of the logic of that? God, I want you to help me. God says, here's what you're going to do. No, God, that won't work. Really? Like, really? But we've got to be brave enough and simple enough to do what God says. Because here's, here's what it says. Then Moses stretched out his hand. He went and did it over the sea. And God, with a terrific east wind all night long, made the sea go back. He made the sea dry ground. The water split. The Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground with the waters a wall to the right and to the left. So he does it, and God parts the waters of the Red Sea. 
So here they are, it's like they're, they're here and suddenly the water's all stacked up this. Did you ever go to those aquariums where you walk in underneath the stuff, right? They freak me out. It's like, no, I don't want to be here. I'd rather look down at the water. I don't want to look up. And so here they were now. There's like wall, a huge wall of water. And they start to walk through. Where they're walking is dry ground. Now, I want to tell you this. If I was a part of that crowd, I want to be the first, maybe the second one through. <laughs> you know why? It's like, how many things, is this thing going to hold up? Is it, is it going to stay like this? Is it going to work? And, and there was a level of faith, a significant level of faith that was involved in doing what God said. So they did exactly what he has said. Now, I know nowadays people kind of, they try to put down, yeah, the Bible's a book of stories passed down, didn't really happen. And uh, I love the thing, uh, 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 there, was, um, there was a kid who in school was, the teacher said, you know what, that wasn't really a miracle. It was the time of year when the water level was really low and there was just a couple of inches of water and they walked through. That's what really happened. And the child said to the teacher, that's amazing, because right after they went through, the whole Egyptian army drowned in two inches of water. <laughs> when you know you can't fix things, stop trying to. Listen for God and do what God says. It was crazy, it was scary, but they've, they obeyed. And I'm going to tell you this standing here this morning. I've had the privilege, the blessing, and over years of traveling, preaching in a lot of different places and a lot of different countries. I've seen some of the most amazing sights in this world. God did all of that. He made it all. I've watched, some, many of you will, I've seen the majesty of Niagara. I've stood on the shores of the Pacific and looked out. I've seen some of the most beautiful places on earth. You know who made those? God made those. I've seen sick people healed as we prayed for them. I've seen wonderful men and women leave this earth but do it with an incredible peace, sense of tranquility because they knew that eternity with God was ahead of them. I've seen lives that were devastated by godless living turned around. I've seen hopelessness lost in a new life. I've seen it right here. I'm looking around today and I've seen it in so many of you. I've seen what God has done and what God can do. So when the Egyptian army is behind me and the desert and the mountains are beside me and the Red Sea is in front of me, I know that that God who made those things, that God who did those things in the lives of so many people and in my life too, I know that that God is the God who is going to find a way for me. And so I look at the gap and say, God, you are the God of the gap. Amen. You are the God of the gap. And then let me just say this briefly to finish with. This is number four. I got to number four. 
when you're in that kind of gap, you've got to expect because the God gap is where miracles happen. The God gap is where miracles happen. And if you're in a place in life right now where you're facing something, whatever it might be, and you say, I, I, I just despair. Listen, there's no need to despair. You know what's really happened in your life? A gap has been created that you can't fix or fill. And that's the gap that God's going to fill and do his best work and bring glory to himself. One of my favorite Bible verses is Psalm 27 and verse 13. And it says this, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You've been there too, right? I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And for some of you here this Sunday morning, your, your confession needs to be this. I will see the goodness of the Lord. I will see the goodness of the Lord. You might be really downhearted. You might be frantic. You might have huge things happening that you don't know what the end is going to be. But I want to encourage you today that the confession that comes from your heart and your lips needs to be this. I will see the goodness of the Lord. I will see the goodness of the Lord because God is the God of the gaps and where a gap has been created, that gap is created there so that you can see God do his final work. I will see the goodness of the Lord. I will see the goodness of the Lord. And I want to tell you that never gets old. I learned that when I was a teenager. I believed it back then and I've seen it happen. And I believe it as much standing here this Sunday morning. I still believe I will see the goodness of the Lord while I'm alive. Amen? You know, I'm tremendously happy that the heaven side of things is absolutely settled. I'm going to see some fantastic things in heaven. But here on earth, I believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I believe. I'm going to ask you just to bow your head.